The Conservative Party of Canada leadership candidates faced off for a debate last night in Edmonton, and it was an absolute train wreck. I'm Candice Malcolm, and this is The Candice Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. So you probably saw we did a live show last night covering the leadership race the and the debate that they held in Edmonton. This was the first official debate hosted by the Conservative Party of Canada. It was hosted by former global journalist Tom Clark. All anyone could talk about online last night was how horrible this debate was, how the format was just absolutely incoherent. The host was very, very interruptive, wouldn't let the candidates speak. The format was really off and a lot of criticism towards Tom Clark. So if you watch the pre-debate uh, uh, show that we did last night, I, I said I said outright, look, I have a newfound respect for debate moderators. I've, I've moderated plenty of debates in my career and in my life, most of them more sort of like academic debates about ideas. This was the first sort of big political debate um, that I had hosted. This I'm talking about the Canada Strong and Free Conference, uh, the first debate that happened in Ottawa uh, last Thursday, a, a week ago today. And uh, it's, a, it's a difficult job. It's not an easy job. And you face a lot of criticism as a moderator, no matter what you do. So I, I have a, a newfound respect for uh, the journalists that go out and put themselves out there and moderate these debates. And I don't think it's an easy job. I said on air last night that I am rooting for Tom Clark. I hope he does a good job. I hope that he is able to facilitate a good debate. Well, that unfortunately was not the case. And it was very clear from the from the outset, from the very beginning, that this debate was going to be a disaster. And I don't completely blame Tom Clark. I think that he, he, he certainly didn't help the way that he... Uh, sort of interjected himself. It, it almost felt like we were watching six simultaneous interviews of the candidates as opposed to a debate where they have crosstalk and they exchange ideas and they push back against one another. I, I say that I don't entirely blame Tom Clark because this was organized by the Conservative Party of Canada, okay? Tom Clark was the person that they chose to sit in the chair and, you know, basically bear the heat and 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 keep this thing on time and follow the rules that I believe were set up by the Conservative Party of Canada. I don't think that they wanted a lively exchange. I don't think they wanted the candidates to be able to get into the weeds about their ideas. They didn't want the disputes, the crosstalk. They didn't want the candidates yelling at each other because they were embarrassed by the reaction to the first debate, the one that was hosted by Canada Strong and Free and moderated by myself and Jamil Giovanni, who is a lawyer, writer, former journalist, former radio host, and the incoming president of that organization, Canada Strong and Free, which, as you know, was formerly known as the Manning Conference. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why I saw, I thought I think this. There was a piece in Politico this morning. It says uh, Pierre Polyev vows to fire Canada's central banker, and in it, there's a little there's a little tidbit here about the debate and about how the room felt. So it says right here, how the room felt, sedate mostly. Longtime Tory comms guy Corey Han warned the candidates against a repeat of the Ottawa debate where no holes were barred. Civil War, Han said, could haunt the party when future liberal attack ads hit the airwaves. Maybe they listened. And then it went on to say the candidates weren't fired up like they were in Ottawa, where moderators Candace Malcolm and Jamil Giovanni egged on fiery exchanges. The crowd didn't bring the energy largely because Clark forbade applause and threatened to take time away from any candidates who inspired hooting and hollering. 
crowd didn't always follow that rule. And so then if you go to Corey Hahn and what he tweeted, he had a thread last week basically just saying, uh, look, the debate that we just had in Ottawa, the one that Jamel and I uh, hosted, basically there's an attack ad ready for the liberals no matter who wins all the candidates got shots in so so he so this sort of tory establishment insider guy is saying uh hey guys that the debate was too rough uh the candidates were given too much of a leash to say what they actually believe uh to, to debate each other which is of course the purpose of debate not only to be entertaining but to learn about the candidates to find out where they stand on the issues to see their vulnerabilities to see how they react on stage when being challenged uh, by a formidable candidate, right? This is what's going to happen in the general election. This is what's going to happen wh whoever faces off against the liberals. We might as well see it now. These Tory insiders don't want that, though. They, they, they're paranoid and, and absolutely scared of any potential liberal attack ads. So they want the candidates to be completely sanitized. They want everyone to follow liberal talking points, essentially. And they want a very unentertaining debate. And that is what we had last night. We had a debate where the candidates were, were strangled. You couldn't, you couldn't understand what they wanted to say because of the, the format. So I'm going to go through some of the biggest criticisms of the format. Uh, and, and there were a lot. And again, I don't blame Tom Clark because I think he was given direct orders from the Conservative Party and that a lot of the restrictions were probably from them as opposed to, you know, his, his own ideas of what he wanted to do. But that being said, the whole thing was just uncomfortable to watch. And many, many people uh, that I saw commenting on social media said that they just couldn't watch it. They just, it was just so, so bad. They couldn't watch it. So first, the first thing that happened was Tom Clark set out these ground rules that basically said that no one in the audience could say anything. You're not allowed to react. You're not allowed to clap. You're not allowed to boo. You're not allowed to show any emotion. We had our own Andrew Lawton on the ground in Edmonton. He reported that there were somewhere between 800 and 1,000 people in the room in Edmonton. So, so, so picture this. They, they have a debate in Edmonton, Alberta. They fly all the candidates out there. They fly the moderator out there. All of the campaign teams, all the insiders go to Edmonton. They sell tickets to this thing. They fill up a room. It's filled with conservative volunteers, activists, insiders, people who love politics, political junkies. They all travel to Edmonton. You know, people drive from the suburbs. People drive from rural Alberta to be there to see this thing. They fill up a room with nearly a thousand people and then they order everybody to be completely silent. They, they weren't allowed to talk. They weren't allowed to react. What is the point of having all those people in a room? The, the, the purpose of, ha of filming these things in front of a live audience is to capitalize on the energy, um, have, having people react, knowing where the base stands, you know, the, who, who, who has a lot of loudest applause lines. These are politicians. They react to a, a pause, right? You're giving a speech, a public speech in front of a thousand people and you don't know what's resonating because you can't, people aren't cheering. People aren't allowed to cheer. So, so this whole idea that, that uh, Clark set up here, that, that there was no, that, that there was silence, mandated silence um, of the audience was just, was just terrible to me. Like there's no point in doing a live debate if you are not going to allow the audience to be part of the debate and, and, and feed off of their energy. So that was very brutal. Um, and then worse off than that, when the crowd sort of ignored Tom Clark and continued to do what they're going to do, which is, hey, this is politics. We want to cheer. We want to let the candidates know who, what, what ideas we like and what ideas we don't. Well, Tom Clark, the moderator, jumped in and penalized Pierre Polyev because someone booed Jean Charest. So here's the first clip I'm going to show you. Jean Charest uh, made a point. The audience booed him because they didn't agree. And for some odd reason, Tom Clark, the moderator, 
penalized Pierre Polyev because some guy in the audience booed Jean Chouet. Unbelievable. You can't make this stuff up. Let's play that clip. But on this issue, let's can we be clear on one thing? Every candidate in this race needs to tell the women of Canada where they stand, whether they're pro or against. They, the women of Canada, deserve to know where they stand. And Mr. Polyev's answer, quite frankly, does not fit that test. Okay. Uh, we will be taking 10 seconds away from Mr. Polyev, but Mr. Acheson, get in. I think that uh, nonsense. it's... nonsense. Yeah, Mr. Acheson, please go ahead. So, 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 so that part of the debate was terrible. The, the other part was that the, so, so part of the problem with debates and with political candidates is oftentimes they're too scripted, right? They, they, they prepare too much and you don't really get the off the cuff responses. You don't get the reactions that you want. It's, it's just too, uh, it's, it's too scripted and, and, and it's too robotic. And that's not what people want. People want to know the authentic opinions of the people on stage. But, but in this debate, it was the opposite because we heard from Tom Clark, the moderator, that the questions were given to the candidates in advance. So he had an opening question and a closing question that were to do with the candidate's vision of the country, which they were given in advance. So rather than hearing the sort of, again, authentic views of the candidates, uh, we just got scripted, basically, reading of speeches, which is just, again, this is something that the Conservative Party party of Canada probably wants because they want a boring scripted debate where candidates don't go off message and that every everyone is really disciplined. But as, as a voter and as someone who's trying to determine who the best potential prime minister would be, again, it's not what you want. So so again, just an, an, another unnecessary uh, thing that made the debate even worse. And then there's the gimmicks, right? There, there were all of these weird gimmicks that we had. So first off, we learned that the candidates weren't allowed to talk about Justin Trudeau. They weren't allowed to talk about the prime minister and they weren't allowed to talk about each other. And, and if they did mention the prime minister, they would get interrupted by a weird sound effect. This is like a game show. This is straight out of like talk radio or something. This sad trombone would play, which means that the candidate was not allowed to talk anymore. So fortunately, this only happened twice in the debate, but it was incredibly cringy. So here is a clip of the stupid trombone interrupting Scott Aitchison. Scott Aitchison uh, for the crime of mentioning the Prime Minister of Canada during a political debate. You can't make this stuff up. Here's that clip. How do you take the politics of division out of the equation? Uh, the, it's the divisive rhetoric that we need to take out of this, out of our discourse. We, when, and, and, and all parties are guilty of it. I'll give you the most obvious example, and I'm going to use the name of, a, of another party leader now because oh. I think I'm allowed to. But if you look at the way the Prime Minister used vaccine mandates and actually Divided Canadians by demonizing Sorry, Mr. one group over You know the rules. You just broke them. We're moving on. Okay. I... Again, what's the point of a debate if you can't mention another political candidate? That, that is the point of a debate. That's a point of politics to criticize the people in power to say the way that you would do things better. I don't understand uh, a, a format that would say that you can't mention other politicians. It was so dumb. So, so right off the bat, you know, we had these weird restrictions, these weird gimmicks. We had a format that wasn't going to enable uh, the, the sort of organic and authentic type of discussion. The, the energy was sucked out of the room. It was just sort of turned into this very insufferable, very serious, very quiet debate where there was no flow. So, so it wasn't looking good. And then... The, things got even worse. Things got even weirder because the moderator would continue to impose like very short time limits. So they would be asked a very serious question like, like, what is the biggest problem facing Canada? 
And then they were given 15 seconds to reply, 15 seconds to reply to that question, what is the biggest threat facing Canada? And then that's it. You know, they had their 15 seconds. Tom Clark cut each candidate off right when they were making interesting points. They each had an opportunity, 15 seconds, and then he just moved on to a totally different question. And you had serious questions intermixed with the stupidest questions that you have ever heard. So if you watched Monday's show where I reacted to media criticism of the debate that I moderated, one of the things I mentioned was that Tom Clark sort of became infamous for this uh, interview that he did with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau back when Justin Trudeau first became leader of the Liberal Party in 2014. I said that Tom Clark asked Justin Trudeau this really, really stupid question about what kind of shampoo he used. We couldn't find the clip um, online. Luckily, our friend Ezra Levant had the clip and he shared it on Twitter. So I'm going to share it with you now just so that you get the idea of the sort of uh, the sort of journalist that Tom Clark is not not necessarily known as like a hard hitting guy. He, he's more of a conversation and you can see from this question, which many conservatives took to be sort of like, again, just the cringiest thing, like the Prime Minister of Canada doesn't wield serious questions. He wields ridiculous softball questions from a fanning media. So here is that old clip from 2014 of last night's moderator, Tom Clark, asking Justin Trudeau, yes, about his hair. So I guess the first thing I should ask you is, are you feeling lucky? I mean, <laughs> the entire country wants to know. What shampoo do you use? <laughs> what a disappointing answer this is going to be. Whatever happens to be hanging around at the time. I, I, I just I love that clip because Justin Trudeau laughs, right? So so the stupid question comes out of Tom Clark's mouth. Justin Trudeau laughs and you kind of expect Trudeau to say, come on, Tom, that's, that's, that's such a silly question. Uh, but instead, Trudeau takes him completely seriously and says, oh, everyone's going to be super disappointed to learn that I don't use some fancy shampoo as if anybody cares, as if anybody in the entire world cares one iota about Justin Trudeau and his hair products. Uh, so, so, so again, just, just Justin Trudeau's ego being fed to an extreme there. But I, I show that clip just to show you the, the, the type of mindset of, of the moderator, uh, uh, Tom Clark. And he brought that mindset to the debate last night. So we had a whole slew of just absolutely ridiculous questions that were being thrown at these candidates. It was demeaning. It was demoralizing. It was insulting to the intelligence of the people who bothered to watch this thing. I don't think very many Canadians bother to watch this kind of stuff, mostly because it's so in, in the weeds and it's not entertaining. Uh, but this just made it even worse, right? These are the kind of questions that you might be interested to hear, you know, if, if you, if, the, if, if it was a longtime politician who was retiring and you were doing like a farewell interview, or if you had one of these people over to your house for a dinner party and you're trying to get to know them in a different kind of way. Uh, these are not the questions that you ask a leadership candidate who is trying to lead the country, especially when you cut, you cut them off when they want to talk about the important issues, like what is the biggest threat facing Canada? You cut them off after 50 15 seconds. And then you spend all of this time asking the stupidest questions I have ever heard. It was almost like it was designed to embarrass these candidates. It really, really was bad. We heard a question, what, what's, what's, what, what book are you reading? Look, these guys aren't reading books. And it was pretty obvious. And that was pretty embarrassing for everybody. None of these candidates are reading books. And, and that's fair enough because they are campaigning. They are in the midst of a fight for their political careers, the biggest opportunity that they will ever have in their lives, likely, to lead the Conservative Party and face off against Justin Trudeau in the next election. They are working their tails off. They are campaigning. They're going from event to event to event. When they have any downtime, they're probably making phone calls to donors and trying to, again, just work on their strategy, work on their speeches. 
They don't have time to read. So the question of what book are you reading was almost like it was just designed to embarrass them because obviously none of them are reading books right now. And we also heard just stupid questions that nobody cares about. What kind of music do you like? What kind of television shows do you watch? Who do you want to have dinner? What historical figure would you want to have dinner with? Uh, who's your political hero? Like these are not questions that people care about. They're not. I, I know I know. maybe in the in the world of sort of li liberal puff media, uh, they want to know, oh, Justin Trudeau, what's your favorite virtue? Or what country do you admire most? Uh, for, for most people, those are not the questions that we care about. We do not care about what kind of music Pierre Polyev listens to. I'm sorry, I don't. And I don't even believe that the answers that they gave were genuine. I mean, it, it was just so bad. I really, really wanted one of the candidates to just stand up to the moderator at some point during this ridiculous raid and say, listen, Tom, these are not the important issues facing our country. Our country is at a crisis right now, and it is not appropriate to be wasting time on the stage with frivolous questions about what kind of movies we watch. Canadians want to know how we're going to deal with these crises, and let's talk about that. Let's have more time to talk about, again, the biggest crises facing Canada or our p positions on a variety of issues. They didn't even talk about housing prices. They didn't talk about the media. There were so many things that they didn't talk about. They barely talked about health care. Uh, and, and instead, we wasted this time at what? Trying to get to know them. Again, just a, a huge, a huge fail on behalf of the organizers and whose ever idea it was to include this ridiculous uh, slew of superficial questions. So here are some of the worst questions that were asked at the debate last night. With uh, Mr. Charest and Mr. Charest, the very first question I have for you is what book are you reading now? What, what, what? what book are you reading now? Oh, I'm... Mr. Aitchison, I wanted to ask you and give everybody a, a chance. Uh, there's a question and there's a twist to the answer. I want to know who your political hero is and you cannot say Winston Churchill. Thank you all very much. That was actually really interesting to hear all that. Uh, uh, Dr. Lewis, I'm going to start with you, and then, of course, everybody else gets a chance. I know you're all busy. I know that you've got, you've got stuff that you're doing right now. But when you have the opportunity to sit down and listen to some music, what do you listen to? I would say... I want to go to a question maybe a little more lighthearted, getting to know you a little bit more. I, and there are a lot of people who want to know this. It's not just me, trust me. But, uh, Mr. Baber, what was the last thing that you binge-watched on TV? <laughs> um, what historical figure from any time, anywhere, would you most like to have dinner with? Okay, one final quibble that I have with the format, which again, just ruined, ruined any, any chance of a good debate last night. And this was, things did sort of get interesting here where, where they moved on to the actual debate part of the debate. There was, there was no debate whatsoever in the first hour. It was really just Q&A and it could have been one-on-one -on -one personalized uh, interviews with Tom Clark and these six candidates. Uh, the debate really started in the second hour. And so each of the candidates were given a paddle. We were told that they had five opportunities to interject. They each got to have a topic they would get to choose who they would face off against. So so to those of us who, who actually wanted a debate, this is this is presumably when it was starting. I, I sort of my, you know, I, I was I was falling asleep during the first uh, part of the debate, and I, di I didn't care. I didn't even want to watch it. And this is where things started to get uh, more interesting, and uh, you know, everyone sort of perked up and said, "Okay, here we go." The only problem was that 
the way that this thing ended up unfolding was that everybody wanted to take a shot at Pierre Polyev. Pierre Polyev is the front runner. He is the favorite. He has the most support. He's most articulate. He's most established. He has, you know, it's such a reach on social media. Our reporter, Andrew Lawton, who was in the room, who was interviewing people, he said that the overwhelming majority of people that he spoke to supported Pierre Polyev and that, that Pierre is clearly the front runner. So because of that, all of the candidates were taking shots at Pierre. Pierre, if he ever wanted to actually respond and, and have his own rebuke, he had to use up one of his paddles. And so because of that, Pierre used up all of his paddles. He had five paddles. According to our researchers here at True North, at the one hour and eight minute mark of a two hour debate, Pierre was silenced. Pierre's last paddle was used in, in a reply that he wanted to make to Patrick Brown, and then he was done. And that was it. And he wasn't allowed to talk again for the rest of the debate, except for his closing remarks. So you had a two hour debate in which the main front runner candidate, the guy who has the most support out of everyone, is effectively silenced an hour and eight minutes into a two hour debate, which which left almost 45 minutes at the end where Pierre was absent. He was just standing there and he couldn't talk. And people were attacking him. The other candidates were attacking him and he didn't even have the opportunity to defend him. I cannot think of a stupider way to organize a debate. And I can't help but blame, again, the Conservative Party of Canada for letting this charade carry out. And so, okay, it isn't just me. It isn't just uh, independent journalists that were complaining about the, the, the debate, the format and how bad it was. The legacy media jumped in as well. And, and we saw a lot of legacy media journalists also noting how bad and cringy this debate was. So Rosemary Barton, who I'm no fan of, and I don't usually quote her in, in an, any form of agreement, but she on, on Twitter was right. She said, and now the format is going to lose me, she tweeted. She also said, the sad trebone is apparently part of the debate Oh dear, Althea Raj of the Toronto Star and the CBC likewise said, having been involved in three debates as a moderator, federal election 2019, federal NDP leadership and Ontario PC leadership, this one is a bit more like a game show. So that's her very polite way of saying this thing is not a very serious debate. Evan Solomon of CTV, who has also moderated many, many debates, and he, you know he, he he's good at it. He's he's fair. He's tough. He 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 is someone who is very credible on these issues. He said, "Why would the conservative candidates agree to not mention Justin Trudeau's name in opening statements or get cut off by a weird buzzer? You'd think this would be welcome." Now, a question on Ukraine that demands a yes or no. I wish these were not overly simplified. Kennedy, you said, gotta say, I could not stop watching the first unofficial debate. Even all the nastiness, at least the debate was about the candidates. Tonight, the format is getting in the way of the flow of any debate, and it's bogged down. The refs aren't the game. The players are. He continued, he said, I think this debate will have little impact on the campaign and makes the organization and the campaigns more important. This helps Pierre Polyev and maybe Patrick Brown, but hurts Jean Charest who needed the debate to make a punch through. So it is kind of interesting to see that, I, th I think it was pretty clear that the format of the debate was designed to hurt Pierre, to take away his momentum, to not allow the room to cheer him on, and then to cut him off arbitrarily at the one hour and eight minute mark of a two hour debate. So, so that the other candidates could have more of a chance. And then here you have Evan Solomon saying the, the exact opposite because the debate was such a, such, such a mess, such a gong show, such a train wreck that it, it won't actually have the impact that the organizers would have wanted other, other than maybe the fact that there's no attack ads being cut, which is apparently the only priority of the conservative debate, of the conservative party. They don't want attack ads. And there was more criticism. Don Martin from CTV said, Far from giving candidates the latitude to compare and contrast their positions, they were shoehorned into sound bites with fairly 
strictly enforced time limits. You simply can't beat a clock, which divides one minute into multiple answers from competing candidates and expects a vote swaying answer from anyone. Perhaps if the goal was to discourage discussion from the constant quest for a knockout blow for campaign ads, all that's left to make a show of it are game show questions. That's exactly right. And so I don't necessarily blame Tom Clark, although I do definitely feel for him because he is getting a lot of heat online there. Again, lots and lots of criticism about him. Okay, so I know I spent the majority of the show talking about how much I hated the format and how it really, really got in the way of a good debate. I'll spend the last few minutes of the show here just talking about uh, the, the substance of the debate because it was honestly equally equally as bad. The, the substance of the debate wasn't very good, especially from a conservative perspective. What we basically had here was all of the candidates or most of the candidates most of the time doubling down and mirroring and mimicking liberal talking points. So we heard that the conservatives mostly, aside from Leslie Lewis, all agree that abortion is great and that there would be no limits on abortion right up until the point of the baby being born. So, so in Canada, none of the front runners in the Conservative Party are willing to even say that they oppose things like late-term abortion, things like sex-selective abortion, a real, real lack of courage, lack of interest in talking about this stuff. It was almost like they were all competing and trying to out-compete one another as to who is the most in favor of abortion, which is, again, so far off from where the base is on this issue and where most Canadians and most Conservatives stand. When it came to immigration, we heard that they all wanted record-high immigration. They were all enthusiastically in favor of Justin Trudeau's record high immigration numbers. If anything, Patrick Brown said that they should be even higher. Uh, the only person who had a ounce of common sense on the immigration question was Jean Charest, who mentioned that, hey, there's no point in having large immigration unless you're going to focus on integration, which is making sure that the people who come to Canada uh, settle into Canada, acclimatize to our culture, to our values, and that we have jobs and opportunities for them. So at least it was a little bit uh, what Jean Charest said was a little bit helpful and constructive, but basically these guys are all in favor of Justin Trudeau's reckless immigration policies. Uh, when it comes to supply management, uh, most of the candidates are in favor of our centralized government-planned, government-orchestrated uh, dairy cartels. are all A-OK, -okay, according to this crop of conservatives. And there was a question, the, one of the very first policy questions of the whole debate was about Ukraine, which to me is sort of a moot point because none of these people on the stage are going to be leader during this conflict. This conflict presumably will end. And so the whole idea of whether you want a no-fly zone or not is completely irrelevant. And yet that was the first policy question that was put to them. It was sort of cringy to hear all these politicians answer that question. The absolute worst answer was Patrick Brown, who enthusiastically said, yes, he would be in favor of a no-fly zone, which essentially means that he's in favor of American jets shooting down Russian jets, which would turn a conflict into a hot World War III between two nuclear powers, an insanely reckless position for a politician to take. Totally, totally out of touch as well, because it doesn't matter if Canada wants a no-fly zone or not. Uh, it, that's the United States' call. Canada is pretty irrelevant uh, when it comes to leading this, the charge on this war, leading the charge of NATO and a no-fly zone. So an irrelevant question, an incredibly reckless response by Patrick Brown, but again, because of the format, they didn't have the actual opportunity to have a reply. That, again, there wasn't really a lot of opportunity for explosive moments. I think this is as close as we came. Here is a clip of Pierre Polyev uh, really uh, 
put, put, putting it to sticking it to Jean Charest over his record as premier of Quebec. Here's that clip. Mr. Charest, Mr. Charest, why didn't you take a moment to acknowledge that you're the only one on this stage who actually voted for, for a law that would recriminalize abortion when you were part of the Mulroney government? You did. You did. And you can take a moment now to renounce your earlier vote uh, if you've changed your mind, but that was your position. You seem to have forgotten it. You've forgotten a lot of things about your record. You forgot that you brought in a carbon tax. You forgot that you raised the fuel tax, the sales tax, the health tax. You forgot that you banned, uh, you banned natural gas development in your own province. You forgot you brought in a long gun registry. You seem a little bit forgetful about your record, Mr. Charest, but Canadians now remember. I... No, 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 no. You know, you guys know the rules. You know the consequences, Mr. Charest, 30 seconds. I, I, I am very proud of my record as a Conservative that stands on its own merits, on fiscal conservatism, on reducing the size of government, reducing taxes, which I did when I was Premier, by the way. Quebecers had lower, a billion dollars less taxes paid and higher disposable income after I finished in government, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, Mr. Poliev, thank you for at least now telling us that you are pro-choice. We understand that's what you're saying tonight. Please confirm okay. that for us. And Mr. Poliev, you have 30 seconds. I did confirm my position that I will not introduce ah. any law on abortion as Prime Minister. I made that very clear. But Mr. Charest, you're wrong about your tax record. You raised the sales tax, the carbon tax, the fuel tax. Just like Patrick Brown, you're trying to flip-flop on it and say one thing on the stage different than what you said before. And the overall tax burden in Quebec went from 19% of the economy to 25% of the economy under your government. That is your record. You can't run away from it. I have a clear, solid record as a tax cutter that leaves more money in people's pockets. Thank you. Thank you. And so that's that's basically the best that we got out of this thing. It was an incredibly disappointing debate. Uh, not worth your time. Don't bother going back and watching it. Hopefully we'll have uh, better debates. It makes me more excited about the Independent Press Galleries debate. We are hosting a debate on May 30th. It is being hosted by my colleague, Andrew Lawton. There will be questions uh, put in from several independent and legacy media journalists. We have uh, Sheila Gunn-Reed from The Rebel involved, uh, Derek Feldbrandt from The Western Standard, and Rupa Subramaya from The National Post. They'll all be involved. That event is on May 30th. It's at 7 p.m. And it's in Toronto. It's at the Chinese Cultural Center. So if you're in the GTA, you're in Toronto, you're interested in seeing a debate that will be nothing like the debate in Edmonton last night where there will be, I, I promise you will be entertaining. There will not be the restraints and the restrictions on the candidates. Uh, consider going and checking out that event. You can watch it live. They're selling tickets. Uh, head on over to independentpressgallery.ca. You can get your tickets there or you will be able to stream it online if you're not in the GTA. I think all of this, again, just underscores the importance of the sort of independent side of the equation. The legacy media proves over and over and over again that they are incapable of of organizing things, of asking politicians tough questions, of getting to the heart of the issues that matter to Canadians, that matter in our country. They would much rather put on a game show-like festival like we saw last night than allow a real exchange of ideas. It makes me incredibly grateful uh, for the growth of independent media, for the opportunities that we are having, like the opportunity I had last week to moderate the conservative debate in Ottawa. It was a huge, huge honor for me. And the fact that we have this independent press gallery, one coming up at the end of May, I really encourage you to check that out. All right. Thank you so much for your continued support of True North and of independent media. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.